Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. We're going to continue in our sermon series on what the Bible says about, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the five crowns or those rewards, okay? So uh, we're going to jump right into that. It's also good to have Eric's family and um, parents with us today from East Tennessee. It's always good uh, to have some hometown folk. You see, East Tennessee and Western North Carolina is almost the same. Really, those two should kind of form their own state right there uh, because it really is kind of the same territory. But it's good to see you guys. Thank you for being with us today. All right, let's jump into this. We're going to be talking a little bit about what the Bible has to say about and last week or a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the judgment seat of Christ. And in that message, when I was unpacking what the Bible has to say about the judgment seat of Christ, I mentioned these crowns or these rewards that we can earn while we are here on earth. Okay, there's been a lot of uh, feedback from that. Many of you guys have said, hey, unpack those five crowns for me. Uh, I want to hear what those are that we can earn here while we're here on the earth. And so these five crowns are what I'm going to be speaking about today and just trying to give you an overview. Now, everyone should have received sermon notes. Uh, hold these. Uh, if you do not have one of these, hold your hand up. And you know, we got several that do not have these. Okay. All right. So our guys are. Do we have guys passing these out? Okay, so uh, hold your hand up really high if you do not have these. It's mostly this side of the church. Now, what that tells me is that this side of the church is not paying attention whenever you come in the door or they just flat out neglected you. They neglected you, right? So if you want to be served at victory, get on this side of the church. And if you don't, sit over here, right? No, I'm just messing with you. I'm really just killing time. That's what this is called. Just killing time until you get the sermon notes because I want you to get this. There's going to be five. Hey, while they're doing that, and I know you guys can't see this, but right here is a brand new electronic device. See it right beside Miss Kathy and this this uh, camera system? Uh, this is a brand new camera system that the Pantovich family which I don't know if somebody let me know. Are they, are they chiming in right now? You should be able to see that maybe. Uh, the Pantoviches are. Yes, they are right now. This is a brand new video system that they purchased for our church. So we would have a little bit better camera angle and, and actually they can maneuver that camera on their, uh, their app back there in the sound booth. So they're zooming in or whatever. Can you do it? Can you make it go around? I don't know what the devices are on that. So you only get to see me, right? So, so just, just up here. Uh, but anyway, everybody give a big shout out to the Pantovich family. Say thank you. One, two, three. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And uh, they are in Virginia, and he got transferred. Uh, I think he's working at the Pentagon. Is that correct? Uh, over there. And they purchased this. And I had no idea he was even doing it. It showed up. Uh, UPS had dropped it off. And Brad's been working on it this week to get it up and going. So we certainly appreciate the Pantovich family for getting that. And now tell all of your friends and family, wherever they are around the world, 
Uh, they can chime in to our Facebook page and watch Facebook Live. We have this going on uh, every Sunday. So it's just another way for us to get the gospel outside the four walls of the church. But we certainly appreciate uh, the Pantovich family taking care of that and purchasing that for us. Okay? All right. Are you there in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians? I don't even know if I told you to turn there. If you have your scripture, go ahead and turn there. Most folks around here have it on an electronic device. Uh, so go ahead and go to that passage of scripture. And we're going to be unpacking and talking a little bit hear about these five crowns okay now this passage of scripture in first corinthians chapter 3 verses 10 through 15 really deal with the judgment seat of christ and there was a couple things if you remember and i don't i don't want to take time and go back and unpack all of that but who who is at the judgment seat of christ there's only one group of people that are there now who is there at the judgment seat of christ do you remember who's there Believers, right? Only Christians, only believers. Now, I did not say only Baptists or only Catholics or only Lutherans or only Methodists. I didn't say that. I said only believers, right? There's no denominations in heaven. Only those that have been washed in the blood of Jesus, that have trusted in Christ as their Savior. That's the body of Christ. That's who's going to be there at this passage of Scripture that we're talking about as we talk about the judgment seat of Christ. So let's look what it says. It says, according to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one must be careful how he builds it. For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is what? Jesus Christ, right? No other foundation can be laid other than that foundation, which is Jesus Christ, okay? So your entire spiritual foundation needs to be built on the person of Jesus Christ or you're in trouble, right? No other foundation can be laid but that foundation. Verse 12, if anyone builds on that foundation, now hopefully we all are, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, Each one's work will become obvious. Say, will become obvious. Each one's work will become obvious. Okay? Is that on the screen up there? Where is it? There it is. Each one's work will become obvious. Why? Because the day will disclose it. What day? What are we talking about here? I'm just trying to get it in context so you know what I'm talking about. What day is going to disclose or reveal the obvious? The day of judgment, the judgment seat of Christ for the entire world? No. For who? For believers. So believers are standing there at the judgment seat of Christ, and our works are going to be tried by fire. Question, is there fire in heaven? Yeah, right? Yeah, there is, because our works are going to be judged and tried by that fire in heaven. Each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test, here's another key word, the fire will test the, what's the next word? Quality. Understand that. The fire is going to test the quality of each one's work. And if anyone's work that he has built survives, survives what? Survives the fire. That's testing the quality. In other words, you can put for quality as motive. Why do you, and then ask yourself the question, why do you do what you do? Why are you doing it? Why are you serving the Lord? 
Why are you in ministry? Why are you trying to do good works? Why are you doing these things? Is it just to gain popularity? Is it to gain a position? Is it to gain a title? Is it to gain power? Or is it because we genuinely love the Lord? Okay? Well, that motive is what's going to be tried in these works that we're doing. Does that make sense? Get it? Good. Okay? So the fire is going to test the quality of each one's work. And if anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. Okay? Now, if your works survive the fire that's going to test the motive, then you are going to receive a reward. Does that make sense? I want you to get this. All right? Because this is how you determine whether you're going to get one of these crowns or not that we're going to talk about. So he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost. Now, question. What is going to be lost here? Your what? Your reward. Right. A lot of folks take this passage out of context, and they believe right here you're losing your salvation. No, 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 no. The fact that you're even at this judgment has already nailed down the fact that you are a believer. It is not your salvation that's being tested or judged here. Are you with me? That's important. You'll get lost in all of this if you don't understand that. Because if you just read it the way it's written, if anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost. It didn't say he or she or they will be lost. It says it, which is the, the reward that you get for your works because your motive is pure. And when it goes through the fire, it will survive because if you have good motives in your works, you're going to be having gold and precious stone instead of a wrong motive, which is wood, hay, and straw or stubble, as it says in Scripture. So, verse 15, if anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost, the reward will be lost, But he will be saved, yet it will be like an escape through fire. So, man, that's a lot of stuff right there in that passage of Scripture. But it's important that you understand that because now we're going to lean into or unpack or try to dig a little deeper into these rewards. All right? So what are these rewards? Well, Scripture talks about five different crowns. Now, these crowns can be earned as a child of God. And be given to us at the judgment seat whenever we're going through our works are being judged. And we'll determine if we have gold and silver and precious stones or if we have wood, hay, and stubble. And if our reward is saved or if it is burned up and consumed and lost. Okay? So what are these rewards or what are these crowns? Okay? So I want you to understand, in the Greek, the word crown is stephanos. Which is the root word, I'm sure you probably already know this just by me saying that, is the root word from where we get the name Stephen, right? Which in Scripture talks about Stephen, which was the martyr, which is the root word of this crown, the word crown, which is a a martyr's reward, if you will. Okay, so it's going to be something that you achieve. It's going to be a badge of royalty. It's going to be a a prize that was given in a public game. It's going to be a symbol of honor. And figuratively, the Apostle Paul takes that and applies that to what we are going to receive at the judgment seat of Christ whenever our works are tried. Okay, get it? 
All right, I'm throwing a lot at you here. I just wanted, you know, I just don't want to rear back and throw a bunch of mud on the wall and hope it sticks. I want it to get to your heart and into your mind, into your heart, so you understand this. So I'm throwing a lot at you here. So let's look at these five crowns, if you will, and let's start talking about some of these crowns. The first crown that I'm going to mention, now there's five of these that are mentioned in Scripture, and it is 11.15 or so. That means I cannot unpack these to their fullest for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes do the math. You'll be sitting here for a long time, okay? So I'm going to hit it. I'm going to introduce it. I'm going to give you the main thought of it. I'm going to let you dig it out yourself and research it some more because I have five of these that we have to get. I want you to see, first of all, as we start talking about these crowns, these five different crowns that are going to be like trophies or, or plaques or awards or that we're going to receive in heaven the crown of righteousness is the first crown I want you to see. So in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 7 down through verse number 8. Now get this. This is good stuff. Scripture says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, here's the first mention of the first crown. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of what? Righteousness. Now, let's just make this up. It's in Scripture. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. What is that day? The judgment seat of Christ, where only who will be there? Only believers. Is my salvation in judgment? Say no. No. It's my works so that I get my rewards. You understand that. It's important. Folks get this mixed up, and their theology is a mess. Okay, you got to get this down pat. So finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day and not to me only. Right. So the Apostle Paul is saying this is just not for me. It's for all of those who have what? Loved his appearing. Now, let me try to unpack this as quick as I can for you right here. The crown of righteousness, I want you to know, is going to be awarded to those individuals who live a good and a righteous life and who love the appearing, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me try to unpack that for you if I can real quick. Now, in Scripture, we got to unpack the word righteousness. What does it mean to be righteous? Well, in Scripture, there's really, I believe, two definitions for the word righteous. Okay? First of all, Scripture teaches us that we have been made righteous by being clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that happens on the day of salvation. Are you with me? Whenever, theologically speaking, whenever God looks over the portals of heaven, he really only sees two of mankind. He either sees you in Adam which is in your flesh or in your carnality, or he sees you in Christ. And if you are in Christ Jesus, then you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Not in your own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ, okay? So God only sees two types of people whenever he looks over the portals of heaven. He sees you clothed in the righteousness of Christ, or he sees you clothed in the wickedness of the flesh or in Adam. Okay? Understand that? So that's the first type of righteousness. So theoretically speaking, whenever we accept Christ as our personal Savior, we are now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Okay? 
Now, I don't think that's what this is talking about here. Okay, I think there's another type of righteousness that we're going to be rewarded for. And that is for living a righteous and a godly life. Right now, question, are there believers, are there Christians that, you know, they've accepted Christ as their savior? But man, they're sometimes they I just don't know that they're the most godliest person I've ever met. Right. I mean, you know, they pray to prayer of salvation, you know, they've trust in Christ and maybe they're just they're just infants in Christ and they haven't grown in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And, and they haven't applied some of the biblical principles to their life yet. And they haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to prune them back and grow them and nurture them in their walk and in their faith. And we look at them and, and maybe they're just in their immaturity causes them not to live as righteous or godly of a life that they should be living. Does that make sense? Sure it does, right? Who was one of the most carnal group of believers in the entire New Testament? The church at Corinth, right? The Corinthian believers. When you study the epistles of the Apostle Paul, and by the way, you know what an epistle is, right? It's the wife of an apostle. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. That's all I'm trying to do right there. It's a letter. It's a letter penned by the Apostle Paul. And all those letters that he penned, the most carnal group, the most worldly, fleshly group of believers that he had to deal with was the church at Corinth. Okay? So here Scripture saying, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. So I just want you to see... Kind of the two definitions of righteousness in Scripture. One, we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. The other refers to us living a godly and a righteous life. Now, in that spectrum, you know some individuals who say, man, yes, they live a godly life. Right? I mean, just being around them sometimes gets me under conviction. Right? You know some people like that? Come on, guys. Say amen or oh me. But stay here. I want to. I want to know you're there. You know some folks that you know, man, they live a godly and a righteous life. Right? And then there's some folks, man, they go to church. They say they're a believer. I don't know, right? Because they're not living that life. Are you with me? This crown is going to be given to the individuals, not necessarily clothed in the righteousness of Christ, but living a godly and a righteous life. Now, I want you to notice something else in the verse. There's two things here. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. But I want you to look at the latter part. That the Lord is going to give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have what? Loved. What are they loving? Themselves? No. Are they loving each other? That's important, but no. What's it talking about here? What are they loving? They are loving something about Christ, his appearing, his second coming. In other words... The crown of righteousness is going to be given to that individual who is strategically and thoughtfully and intentionally living, striving to live a godly, righteous life. And at the same time, they're excited and they're loving the appearing of the Lord. They're looking forward to his coming. Now, they're looking forward to his appearing, not necessarily their disappearing right we've all been in those situations that we'd love to just get out of them right 
We've all been in bad situations. Like, man, I would just, I just pray the Lord comes real quickly to get me out of this horrible situation. Now, would that qualify for the crown? No, because you're loving, you're disappearing, not necessarily his appearing. Are you real? Are you with me? We may find ourselves in a situation, oh, Lord, just come quickly. Get me out of this financial burden. Or hopefully this is not you. I don't believe it's anybody at victory. But maybe you have a horrible marriage. And you're like, man, I can't stand this husband of mine. Or I can't stand this wife. Lord, come quickly and get me out of this horrible marriage. And that's none of you guys. But really what you're doing then, you're loving your disappearing and not really loving his appearing. Does that make sense? And what's going to judge that? How do I, I can't judge that. I'm not the one that can say, I, I know why you're excited about the Lord to come. I can't judge that. Who does judge that? God judged that. How does he judge that? I've already explained this to you. How does he judge this? It's going to go through what? It's going to go through the fire. And if it's gold, silver, and precious stones, or precious stones, it's going to come out refined and beautiful. But if it's wood, hay, and stubble, or straw, it's going to be consumed by the fire of judgment. And it will be lost. What is it? The reward. This crown of righteousness. So one day God is going to judge your motive. What's your motive for being excited about the Lord returning? Just because the politics in our country are a mess? Just beca- and, yeah, we could unpack that, right? Just because the moral system or the moral compass of our, of our society is lost and is a mess? No, we, that, that's praying for the disappearing of ourself out of that. So the crown of righteousness, and there's a whole lot more that could be said about all of that. But that's one of the crowns that's mentioned in Scripture. Get it? All right, crown number two, incorruptible crown. The crown of righteousness, and now we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And here we're going to see the incorruptible or the imperishable crown. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. This is another crown, a second crown, that you can earn and be rewarded for it at the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible or perishable crown. For for we, for an incorruptible, imperishable, or but we, for an incorruptible or imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified king james says a castaway okay so the apostle paul lived in such a way because he had this fear of becoming possibly a castaway or possibly disqualified in the ministry so therefore he wanted to discipline himself do you see that in the scripture for i but i discipline my body and bring it into subjection okay now, Scripture says that when you do that, there's going to be an imperishable or an incorruptible crown that you can receive. All right? So let's talk about that briefly here for a moment. We all know that professional athletes are pretty disciplined, are they not? I mean, they're disciplined with their workout routine. They're disciplined with their time. They're disciplined with their diet because they've got to have all that working so they can perform at a level to get paid the well-overpaid price that all of them get, right? Right? Are you with me? Get it? 
right? Okay. Can you believe that? Oh, I won't even get there. Let's, let's let that go, okay? But the fact is that they are tremendous athletes to be able to do the things that they do, right? How do they get to that point in their life that they can perform the way that they're performing? They do that because they discipline themselves. Get this, another word. They sacrifice some things. You see, I'm a guy that loves ice cream. And I tell you what, I don't think I could ever be a professional athlete because I eat way too much ice cream, right? We were going over to Kristen and Will's the other night to celebrate them buying a house, and they were making homemade ice cream. And during the day, we're texting about all this, and I'm really excited about the homemade ice cream that's going to be there. I ask one question, will there be chocolate syrup? Right? As long as there's chocolate syrup and ice cream, I'm good, right? Anything chocolate, I'm good. So I can, I don't discipline myself when it comes to the dieting, especially ice cream, right? So I don't know that I could ever be this professional athlete. But spiritually speaking, there's going to have to be some sacrifice and discipline that we are doing to ourselves, spiritually speaking, in order to be rewarded with this incorruptible crown. Now, Paul is saying in Scripture that those athletes, they're doing it to run their race, to receive their trophy, to get their crown. It is a perishable crown. It's temporary. But we are doing it because there is an incorruptible or an imperishable crown that we're striving to receive, right? It's going to last all throughout eternity. So the point is simply this. God is going to call you, and God is going to finger around in your heart in some areas, spiritually speaking, that he's going to ask you to discipline yourself in, right? He's going to finger around in your heart in some areas that he's going to ask you to sacrifice, right? And there are folks that have done this all over. I mean, the gospel spread all across the world today because some missionary packed up and went either here or there to plant the gospel and, and, and share and do the work of the ministry. So I'm not saying this is just for missionaries, but I'm just saying it's for those who sacrifice. Let me ask you, what have you sacrificed for the Lord? What are some of the disciplines that you put in place spiritually? What is God fingering around your heart? You know, whatever area it is in your life, that's what we've got to think about and be willing to sacrifice and discipline ourselves in these areas. And when we do that, there's a crown there waiting for you. It's called the incorruptible crown. Let me give you the third crown. And I've got to hurry. This is the crown of life. It's mentioned in Revelation chapter 2. It's also mentioned in the book of James. Is another reference for this one. But this is simply the crown of life. Now I want you to look at this one in Revelation 2.20 or 2.10. It says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be, what's the next word? Tested or tried or tempted That's the words I want you to think about right here. That you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Now, scholars and theologians have called this one pretty much the martyr's crown. Okay? But really what it is, it's the crown of endurance. The crown of life is the crown of faithfulness. It's the crown of enduring temptation. It's the, it's the crown of not quitting when you're persecuted. It's the, it's the crown that you're going to receive for going through some of those tribulations. Matter of fact, in Matthew, I believe it's 6 and 7, somewhere right in there, Jesus says, for those that persecute you, you're going to be greatly rewarded for those things. Right? So, I mean, they're going to say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. You're going to go through some persecution. Have you ever done that? 
Have you ever gone through some persecution? Maybe someone, you're trying to live godly. You're trying to live righteous. You're not trying to be holier than thou. You're just trying to be obedient to the scripture. And all of a sudden now you got folks that are casting stones at you or calling you names or, or, or something. Maybe it's even Satan that's tempting you. And there's temptations that you've got to go through. And, and you're, you're working through that so that you can obviously endure the crown. Now, the motive is just not so we can get the crown. Understand me? If the motive is just so we can get the crown, you have what? Wood, hay, straw that would be consumed because all you're after is a trophy. Hello? What's the motive? The motive's not the crown. They're just mentioned as rewards that we can get. The motive is that we're pleasing the Lord. The motive is one day we stand before the Lord and we want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right? Think about all that Jesus has done for us. It ought to drive us to want to give ourselves back to him simply because we love him. Not necessarily because we're going to get a crown. Does that make sense? Okay. Are you guys getting this? All right. So the crown of life is going to be given for those who, uh, who undergo maybe severe hardships or testing or tribulation, possibly even physical death. Be faithful. Scripture says in Revelation 2.10, says be faithful unto death and i will give you this crown of life so i guess you know even think about the individuals and we may be getting to this in our day think about the individuals that have to decide am i going to be willing to die for this faith am i going to be willing to stand against the tribulation and the persecution that may come from our culture today the lord may put us in a situation to be tested not tempted, but tested in that area, right? Guys, you realize that Christianity is the only accepted religion, and you know I hate that word religion, but you know what I'm talking about. Christianity is the only accepted religion that you can bash in our culture today, but don't think about saying anything about other religions. You understand that? There may come a day when you're going to have to stand for your faith that you have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while standing, there may come a day when you're going to have to face severe persecution, possibly even imprisonment for that, possibly even death for that. Well, the motive for that is because we love the Lord, not because we're going to get a crown. But if that takes place, there's a crown waiting for you. It's called the crown of life for enduring those persecutions and those trials and those temptations, those hardships, and be willing to die. Now, I kind of take this one possibly even further. I don't know for sure. And by the way, I've told you, I'm only going to tell you what the Bible says. And so that's kind of what the Bible says. Now, let me give you a little canonology here. What about those who are fighting for our freedom? What about those who have died in service? What about police officers who are, who are defending life? What about firemen who are rushing in to save life and die in the process? I mean, you think about all, you think, think they possibly have the crown. I don't know. I don't have chapter and verse for this. This is canonology, not theology. Okay. This is just something I think about. I just want to share it with you. Possibly the crown of life is even for those individuals that are willing to sacrifice and give their life for someone else. That's kind of the line of thinking that I think possibly I don't know. I don't have chapter and verse for that, but it's just a thought process that I have, okay? So don't write that down as gospel. Just out beside it, put canonology, and you take that little doctrine I gave you in 10 bucks, and get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks, okay? Really, more on the $10 than anything I said there, all right? But 
the crown of life certainly is mentioned in Scripture. Let me give you, what is this, number four? Is this number four or five? Number four? Okay, the crown of rejoicing. First Thessalonians 2, verse 19 and following. This is the crown of rejoicing. For what is our hope or joy or, here it is, crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Theologians have called this one the soul winner's crown. This is the one that we're going to receive. This crown of rejoicing is the one that we will receive when the Lord has used us to be instrumental in someone's life to them becoming a believer or a Christian. Maybe they're the ones that we build a relationship with and we brought them to church and they heard the gospel and they then accepted Christ as their Savior and we had a role in that. The motive is not so we get a crown. The motive is because we love the Lord and we want to be obedient to what he tells us to do to carry out the Great Commission and we love our brothers and our neighbors as ourselves, and we want them to hear the gospel and receive the gospel so they too can inherit heaven as their life because we love the Lord. Then there's going to be this crown of rejoicing the apostle says for what is our hope or joy or crown of is it not who is it not what read the scripture is it not even who you in the presence of our lord jesus christ that is coming so who's the lord bringing back with him at the second advent of christ after the judgment seat after the tribulation when we come back to rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years that's what this passage is talking about who's he bringing with him the believers right The saints of God, he's bringing them with him. And Paul's saying there's a crown of rejoicing because now you are in that number and the Lord used me to reach out to you and we're excited about that. It's the soul winner's crown. So the question is, to get this crown, are you sharing your faith? Are you talking to your neighbors and co-workers and friends about Christ or about church? Are you inviting them? Are you showing personal interest in them? And trying to build a relationship with them so you can share the gospel with them. All those things are important. And if so, there's the soul winner's crown or the crown of rejoicing that's available for you. Number five is this one, is the crown of glory that's mentioned in First Peter chapter 5 and verse four, 1 through 4. Let's read this one. The elders who are among you I exhort. I who am a fellow, fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed... Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by constraint, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, who's the chief shepherd? Christ, right? When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. You know what this one is? We'll kind of tag this one, label this one as the shepherd's crown or the pastor's crown. But I believe it goes further than, further than just a, a pastor preaching in a church or teaching scripture. I think this crown goes for those, obviously within the context, is talking about those shepherds and those called by God to teach the word of God and to shepherd the flock of God. This is the pastor's crown, okay? Within the context, that's what the Bible says. Now, canonology, I think it's going to go a little further. And this is just me thinking. I don't really have chapter and verse for this. Okay, it's the pastor's shepherd's crown within the context of the scripture. Get it? All right, let me give you a sub thought right here. 
Guys, you realize that the Lord uses all of us in ministry? And do you realize all of us have the responsibility to teach and share and help illuminate or help someone in the Word of God? And we're to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And maybe God's brought a a young convert or a new believer to you. Or maybe someone that's been a Christian for a long time, but they just have difficulty in understanding the Scripture. And maybe God's brought them along to you so that you could help them grow in their understanding of the Scripture. I think if you're involved in any type of teaching ministry or mentoring someone spiritually or helping them discern or know and understand the Word of God... I kind of think maybe this crown will be extended to you as well. I don't know for sure. I don't have chapter and verse for it. But it's just the fact that you are intentionally trying to shepherd someone as an under-shepherd to Jesus Christ and help them have understanding of the Word of God. I think there's going to be a reward for that. Okay. Now, I know there's going to be one for a faithful shepherd. Right? A faithful pastor. I know there's going to be a crown there. Now, there are some pastors out there that I've listened on TV and other messages that are doing anything but preaching the Word of God. They're in it for self-promotion and self-gain and popularity and money, and you've seen them as well as I have. Do you think there's going to be a crown there? I don't think so because they're, I don't know, they're not really teaching the Word of God. But when you're teaching and being faithful in shepherding the flock of God and teaching the Word of God, I think there's a reward for that, and it's called the crown of glory. Now, let me share one more thing with you, and I'm going to be done. Do you realize what is the, um, what is the fallout rate of a brand-new Christian as far as them growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord? You know what it is? About 50%. Of all brand new believers that trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, about 50% of them in that first year of living for the Lord, what's the word I want to use right here? Turn away or fall away from the truth. And why is it? Because you got to understand, God's Word is spiritually discerned. And oftentimes a young believer doesn't know where to go into Scripture so that they can grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. That's what our responsibility and role is, that we come alongside them and help nurture them in the Word so they can grow and build a good foundation. I received a message, a Facebook private message this week from an individual. said, Pastor John said, I need some help. And they don't even go to our church. They just know me as, as a pastor. And they said, I need some help. I've recently given my life to Christ, which I was thankful for. I've recently given my life to Christ, and I really want to get into God's Word. I want to start reading. I thought I would just start reading the Bible in Genesis and just read it all the way through. What do you think? I said, don't. (laughs) My first reply was, don't do that, right? If I'd have told him, start in Genesis 1 and just read your way through it, man, he's going to fall out in that first year, right? Most of us would fall out in that first year. That's tough. I mean, number one, there's so many things you really don't understand in Genesis. And then you get into the numerology and you get into the genealogy. And, oh, my goodness, it just, oh, you can get, you can get lost in there, right? So you know what I did? I took time. And I took about 10 or 15 minutes. I said, okay, here's where I want you to start. I want you to start by reading the Gospel of John. If you get a good understanding of the Gospel of John, that will help you understand who Jesus is and what he did for you and, and give you a good, solid Concept of what scripture teaches about your salvation. That's a good place to start 
And then I want you to go to the epistles of John. I want you to go to 1, 2, and 3 John. And then I want you to read those. And then I want you then to go to the, to the epistles of the Apostle Paul and start reading. Start, let's start, first of all, with Luke's, the book of Acts. And then from the book of Acts, now I want you to read Paul's epistles, those letters. And I, I just kind of unpacked all of that for him. And then in the Old Testament, I want you to read a proverb a day. So whatever day of the week it is, and today is what, the 29th? So I want you to read Proverbs 29. There's one for every day of the week. Just read one proverb a day. And now in the Psalms, I want you to start in the book of Psalms, which is a collection of hymns. I want you to read three or four of those a day. Just start with number one, just work your way through. But try to read about three or four of those a day. Now, if you will do that, you have a really good foundation that you can build on with your biblical knowledge. And hopefully and prayerfully, you'll get understanding. But don't let someone start in Genesis and just read all the way through, right? So if you're mentoring someone in that way, if you're coaching them in that way, if you're helping them understand the Scripture, I think there can be a, a crown of glory even, even for that, okay? Get it? All right, I'm going to ask the band to come. We're, we're done. Let me wrap up with this one final thought. Those are the five crowns, okay? And I've hit this over and over again. But let me ask you this question. What is your motive? You see, whenever I serve the Lord, the last thing I have on my mind is if there's a crown. I'm not striving for the crown. I'm striving to be a faithful and good servant of the Lord. Just a faithful believer that's trying to live right and do right and say right And be conscious that the cause of the gospel and the cause of Christ is far greater than any interest or anything that I personally may want to indulge in or be involved in. My life, I want it to be all about the cross. I want it to be about Jesus. Right? Living for Him. If that's our motive, there's some amazing rewards that are awaiting you at the judgment seat of Christ. But if this is your motive, these crowns, then you have wood, hay, and straw. But if your motive is to be obedient to the Lord because you love Him, because of what He's done for you, then you have some amazing rewards that are waiting for you. And there may be some people that we look at in the church, and from a human perspective, we look at them, we may think, man... They're going to get so many rewards when they get to heaven. Look at all these things they do. Look at all these things they have done. Look how long they've been in the church. Look how long they serve Christ. And we're going to think, man, they're going to get so many rewards. I just kind of want to be behind them and see what all they get. See all the trophies they get. And we may be right behind them in line. And that may be the number one person. They're going to get all five of these. Watch. They're getting ready to get all five of these crowns. And we're behind them in line. And they get nothing. And we're going to be blown away. They did all these things. But here's the secret. Their motive wasn't pure. And guys, I've been pastoring for over 25 years. I've been blown away with that as well. As a pastor. I've had folks that have been in and out of churches that I've pastored. I've been here for 20, almost 20, so... Most of them here, <laughs> in and out of here. I'm thinking, man, they, they're going to get every one of those rewards. Boom, 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 boom. Cross every T, dot every I. Boom, you're getting all five. I just know you are. 
And it doesn't take long till motives come to the surface. And you realize, man, all that you were doing, I thought, is because you love the Lord. And now I realize it was for position, title, power. What's your motive? Let it be pure. Don't strive for the crowns. Just strive to be faithful. Just serve God because you love Him. Just let your motives be pure. All these things will take care of themselves. I call it panology. You know the doctrine of last things, which this falls under, is called eschatology. And you know, but I like to call it panology. It all pan out in the end if you just have a relationship with Christ and you love Him because of what He's done for you, and you just want to serve Him. Right? It all take care of itself. So my question is, what is your motive? Ask yourself this question. Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I spend time reading God's Word? Why do I bring an offering and tithe to the church? Why am I faithful? Why am I in ministry? Why do I serve in whatever area of ministry it is? Just ask yourself these questions. Why you do why do you do this? That's really putting a gut check on the motive. The motive is pure. Your gold, silver, precious stones that will endure the fire at the judgment seat of Christ. If your motive is not pure, your works now are wood, hay, and stubble which will be consumed at the judgment seat of Christ. It will be lost. It's important you know this. What is the it? Talk to me. It will be lost. What is going to be lost? The rewards, the crowns, not your salvation. You're going to be saved. But you're going to enter in, possibly, with no crowns. And you know what's going to stand, happen to you when you're standing there before the Lord with no crowns? You're going to be weeping. You know when Scripture says that Jesus will wipe every tear from your, eye, your eyes? Right here is maybe one of the reasons why he will do that. Because you're going to stand before him and say, I believed in you, but I just didn't serve you. My motives weren't pure. I, I believe in you. Let me ask you a question. I think it's important you understand this. Having your motives pure in your work for Christ, is that a prereq for salvation? I'm going to help you. The answer is no. How do we get saved? And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, this is for you. How do we get saved? How do we know that we're going to heaven? Listen, it's nothing that any of us do. It's based on everything that Christ has done. What did he do? He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for your sins and for mine, the sins of the entire world. He was buried. He rose again victoriously the third day. He's ascended to the right hand of God the Father. There, he's making intercession for us all. When we believe in the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, and we repent of our sins and ask God to forgive us, and we trust in the finished work of the cross, then we are saved. From that point on, we work from the cross, not to the cross. Does that make sense? We come there with nothing. We leave there with eternal life and salvation. Now we want to end 
there in heaven with crowns. Not because we want a crown, but because our motive is pure. We love the Lord. And we want to give back something to Him. And we're going to lay all these at His feet. I want to worship Him that way. And the only way we can do it is by working from the cross with motives that are pure because we love Him. And when we do that, the Lord's going to reward you for that. Does that make sense? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together today. And Lord, we pray for each one that's here. And I just pray, Lord, you you help us to check our motives. Be sure that we're doing what we're doing, not because we want a, a position or a title or power or popularity or accolades. We're doing what we do because we love you. We're working for you because we love you. Not because of what we'll get, but because we love you. Father, help us to do a gut check every single day of our motives. For that individual that's here today and doesn't know you as their Savior, my prayer is that today would be the day of salvation. That right now they would ask you into their heart as I have shared the gospel. They would trust in you the best way they know how. I just pray, God, that they pray a prayer like this. Just say, dear God, save me. I give you my life. I repent of my sins. I trust in you, Jesus, as my Savior. Father, we thank you for each one that's here. In Jesus' name we pray. Before I turn it over to Tyler, let me say, if you're here today and you receive Christ your Savior, I want you to send me an email. I want you to follow up on a connection card. I want you to send me a Facebook private message. Go to our Victory Facebook page. Let me know. I want to send you some material that will help you in your journey of faith and help you to start to grow. If you're here and you rededicate your life, I want to know also. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, that was eye-opening to me. Preacher, help me. Pray for me that my motives stay pure. Reach out to me. Let me know. I want to get some feedback from you, okay? Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.